0: The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
1: For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna. To keep her secret recipe alive, take over taco night. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life.
4: It was so brutal, the way he murdered all of them. From what I heard, it seemed very much like a situation where he just snapped. No one expected it.
0: Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I almost messed up that sentence, and I'm sitting very far away from Alexis Lingutter and Billy Jensen. Were you just breaking up some kind of a, um, a soda can thing, Billy, or what were yes. you doing over there?
3: Well, it was an eight-pack of Gatorade, and I do not – it comes in that plastic thing, and I do not want to strangle the uh, the fish and the birds, et cetera. Turtles. So, and the turtles. Yeah. And the turtles.
0: You know, you're really looking so, out for the environment, right. Billy. Look at you. Yeah. What else? What
3: else am I going to do? You know, before before COVID, I would just not. But now, you know, I realize how precious. I'm kidding. I'm just. <laughs> you're just <laughs> bored, and you have nothing else to yeah. do. <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: So yes, that's you what know, I was doing. But thank you. Making
5: that noise though, because it's all crumply and making noises. It's, it's called ASMR. ASMR, Alexis. I'm not
0: really sure
5: what you're doing. It's ASMR.
0: All right, Billy. What day is it today?
3: <sighs> it's National Fairy Day.
0: Oh, come on. It's National UFO Day. How did you miss that one?
3: It's Museum Comes to Life Day. That's the coolest one.
5: No, UFO Day is the best. Uh,
3: no such thing, but yeah.
5: What? Do you not believe well, in aliens? An unidentified flying object is not... Yes. That's, that's not a an fact, alien. That they exist. That's a fact. Yeah, they but exist.
3: there's not aliens in them, though.
5: Who's to say? Do you mm. not believe in aliens, Billy? I've. This is a did conversation
0: not, we need to get the into. the CIA
5: just release a bunch of files proving oh, that they did exist that tom DeLong did yeah, have tom DeLong. before okay, tom long doesn't fuck around it
0: really <laughs> is crazy when you there is a documentary that i was watching that was like all really high level ranking like government officials and army guys whatever and they're like and this one man brought us together and it was fucking Tom DeLonge. Tom DeLonge. like, God <laughs> damn it. Rip, I was really, like, really, really loving this. And then if Tom Delong's going to be the man that, you know, saves us or connects us to the next being, I'm going to eat my words.
5: Dude, Tom DeLonge is bridging a divide in a way that no one expected. Yeah. Not just vi- by music, but, like, it's, intergalactic divide. Yeah, it wasn't by
0: music. <laughs> Angels and Airwaves was not, like, bridging oh, any gap. Oh, come on. Humans. Thank you, Tom DeLong, for um, all of your great work. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights.
5: And turn up your anxiety.
3: Because this could be you.
5: Today's case exemplifies the concept of deception and outward appearances. We drive by a mansion, you see kids outside playing, you see a happy couple, and you want to be that happy. When we see people who have it all, we instantly compare our lives to theirs and all we see are our shortcomings. Today's story will be that reminder that you have no idea what darkness could be lurking behind a pristine veneer. In fact, more often than not, things are far from perfect. Once the curtains pulled back,
0: today's case takes us back to September 10th of 2015. The song topping the charts was "I Can't Feel My Face" by The Weekend. Great song, and movies in theaters were Black Mass and The Maze Runner.
3: And the setting for today's case is the Minnesota suburb of Greenwood, which sits right on the banks of Lake Minnetonka, just 20 miles west of Minneapolis. Native Dakota people use the phrase Minnetonka to describe this massive lake, which meant big water in the Dakota language. Lake Minnetonka is Minnesota's ninth largest lake, and areas surrounding it are Minnesota's most affluent. Greenwood is located on the south side of the lake. In 2015, this town had a population of 700. This place is tiny, quaint, and has those small town values that you want out of a small town.
5: A family that inhabited one of these beautiful lakefront homes was the Short family. And the Shorts were a popular, well-liked clan of individuals. So dad Brian was 45, mom Karen was 48, and their kids Cole, Madison, and Brooklyn were 17, 15, and 14 respectively. Brian was a former nurse, but he had turned into a businessman. And Karen was one of those incredible BTA moms. She was a fixture at each of her children's extracurricular and sporting events. Each member of the Short family was active on social media, and they could be seen boating, fishing, traveling together, and enjoying their individual interests. Dad Brian's Facebook and Twitter accounts displayed snapshots from his daughter's soccer games, pictures of the family climbing Mayan ruins during a vacation to Mexico, and even a birthday photo of the family dog. 17-year-old Cole had pictures of Facebook of him holding a fish out on the family boat on Lake Minnetonka. And there were photos of 15-year-old Madison performing on stage in Brooklyn, the youngest, who was 14, sharing snaps of herself playing soccer as well as posting some of her own photography, which was something she was really, really passionate about. And here's our first-degree Isabel, a dear friend of Brooklyn's.
4: Brooklyn was 14. She had this beautiful blonde hair. She was super smiley all the time. She was so bubbly. Like, just, you couldn't be around her and not be happy. Like she was so smiley. She wanted to explore everything. She was just such a smart girl. And yeah, she was really into photography. That was her talent. So she loved to just be in like the center of all of like the adventure and like taking pictures. Yeah, she just loved experiencing
0: life. So Brian and Karen had been married for 21 years and were described as best friends by anybody who knew them. Brian started his career in nursing before achieving incredible financial success after founding a website called allnurses.com. On his business Facebook page, the company is described as a social network for nurses with more than 870,000 members who share knowledge, laughs, and support. And according to a Minneapolis Star Tribune profile done on Brian in May of 2014, he started the company when he was a nursing student and had just gotten his first computer. But by 2015, Brian had been offered 50 different opportunities to sell his company in the previous 10 years, and he turned all of these down. So if he was refusing to sell, it's safe to assume that the business was doing pretty well. And Brian had built the company and his fortune from scratch, creating his very own slice of the American dream.
3: Brian was able to provide a very lavish life for his family. Their house had five bedrooms, four and a half bathrooms, and an eight-car garage. It had a rec room, a wine cellar, and an indoor bar. And it sat at the top of a winding brick driveway, and it was directly on Lake Minnetonka and had sweeping lakefront views. From the master suite balcony, there was a massive white spiral staircase that led down to the backyard where across the lawn, the Shorts had a dock with a fleet of boats and jet skis for the family and their neighbors to play with during the summer. This place really had all the trappings of living your best life.
5: And despite their financial success, people describe the Shorts as shockingly down to earth. Karen and the other moms in the neighborhood would take turns carpooling, they hosted parties for the kids' sports teams, and everyone in the neighborhood would go boating and tubing together. There were trips, there was camping, there were climbing trips, and clearly another shared hobby of each member of the Short family was travel. In fact, our first degree had gone on a middle school trip with the youngest of the Short children during the summer of this very same year.
4: We went on that trip to Costa Rica together, and that's when we became close. Like in Costa Rica, I think a lot of us, because we were all middle school age, all of us that went, so none of us really like, we understood how crazy it was to be in Costa Rica, but we never fully understood, like, what it meant. But she knew. Like, she was so aware of her surroundings. She, underst- she just definitely had this insight that was beyond her years. I never heard her talk about her dad, but she talked about her siblings and her mom. She was really involved with the family. On the trip, I would always hear her on the phone to her mom like FaceTiming her mom. So she was always sending her mom pictures and texting, like her family group chat.
5: So as we said, the Shorts loved to travel. And they had just gotten home from their Cancun trip a week prior to when the Short teenagers were slated to be back at school for the new year on September 8th. All three of the Short teenagers were now going to be in the same school, which is Lake Minnetonka High School. Brooklyn Short was especially excited
0: to start high school because she was entering as a new freshman and it's, that's just a super exciting time in a teenager's life. And she had tried out and made the junior varsity soccer team. Brooklyn was also known to excel in her academics. She was extremely intelligent, extremely witty and extremely dedicated. So given Brooklyn's passion for her studies, it was especially odd when she missed her first day of school, her friends were perplexed and tried to reach out to her. But when they didn't hear back, they assumed that she must just legitimately be sick. School administrators were puzzled by her absence, but not totally alarmed. It's pretty normal for kids to miss school here and there.
3: But the following day, when Brooklyn didn't show up a second time, that's when serious alarms started to go off. Because by day two of Brooklyn's absence, the other kids and school employees also noted that Brooklyn's older siblings, Cole and Madison, were also no-shows at the school. None of the short children could be reached at home or on their cell phones. And you know how schools contact parents when a kid is absent without notice? I would get those calls all the time. So now the school had been trying to reach the short parents since the previous day via the home phone, via their cell phones, via email, and they had no success in reaching any of them through any of those outlets. And while these unexplained absences were certainly odd, no one at the school was panicked yet.
0: But there were some people who were panicked across town, and these are Brian's AllNurses.com employees. Brian had not shown up to the office for the past two days. Brian was driven, and he wouldn't say he was coming into the office and just not show up. It's just never something that would happen with him. And one of his employees had been trying incessantly to reach Brian. And when every attempt had failed for more than two days, they decided to take drastic measures. This particular employee had access to Brian's company email passwords. And while breaking into her boss's email wasn't something that she thought she would ever do, she felt like she didn't have a choice. Once she was in Brian's inbox, a chill went down her spine. Brian hadn't read a single email in almost three days. And ignoring an email again is not something Brian would ever do. But the unread emails that really caught her attention were those from the Minnetonka High School. And her blood ran cold when she read that the short children
5: were also missing. When the call came into the South Lake Minnetonka PD, it was just a regular day for officers. Now, mind you, this is a very small police department. In 2015, there were only 14 officers. And these officers were responsible for four small cities in this Lake Minnetonka area. So when the South Lake Minnetonka PD received this call requesting a welfare check at the mansion on the lake that belonged to the Short family, they really didn't know what to expect. But I can tell you, they definitely weren't expecting what they'd ultimately find. The call to police had come in at 12.20 p.m. And it only took minutes for officers to arrive at the home. So putting myself in the shoes of these officers as they're pulling up to this beautiful mansion, they're probably thinking something like, look at all these mansions. I bet this family went on an impromptu vacation. Surely there is some benign reason for all of this. Maybe one of them was violently ill. Maybe there was a sudden death or or an illness in their extended family. Either way, we're gonna get this all sorted out because bad things just don't happen in Greenwood. And this sentiment was compounded by the fact that there hadn't even been a single burglary in the suburbs of Greenwood in recent memory. This isn't a crime-ridden area. So, you know, just the police are going up thinking there is an explanation for all of this.
3: When police arrive and pull up to 20975 Channel Drive, they head up the sloping brick driveway and approach the front of the home. And there were multiple cars in the driveway. South Lake Minnetonka PD Sergeant Jim Williams, he walked up to the house, knocked on the front door. There was no answer. And he knocked again, and he knocked again, still no answer. He could hear the sound of what sounded like a little dog barking inside. So he started walking around to the back of the home and he was hugging the perimeter, making sure to look into each window just to see if anything suspicious was evident inside. Everything inside was still and from the outside looking in, everything appeared to be normal, but he remained cautious. And he reached the back of the house and he found his way to one of the back doors. And to his relief, it was unlocked. Then Sergeant Williams stepped inside.
0: And as he entered the house, he was greeted by the short's little black and white dog, Harley. The dog ran into the officer's feet and he seemed extremely anxious. And besides the sounds of Harley, the house was unusually quiet. So Sergeant Williams moved throughout the house. And the way the house was set up, was the master suite was on the lower level and he made his way down the hallway and landed at what's presumed to be the master bedroom. He stepped inside and it's here that he made the discovery, the first of what would be a series of horrific crime scenes. On the floor between the bedroom and the master bath was the body of Karen Short. She had been shot point blank in the head with a shotgun. There was a cordless phone laying next to her hand as if she had attempted to call 911 for help.
6: Horrific.
3: It was the worst thing I've ever seen. I was also terrified because I knew that there were kids that were missing that I didn't know where they were and I was afraid of what I was going to find next.
5: Sergeant Williams called for backup. This situation has now intensified tenfold. We are dealing with at least one homicide, one more than what this police department is used to. But as we just heard him say, Sergeant Williams' brain immediately shifts towards the concern for the short children. So he's moving through the house from room to room. The extent of the carnage was becoming clear. He went into one bedroom, and there he discovered the body of 17-year-old Cole. He went into the next bedroom. There he found the body of 15-year-old Madison. He went to the next bedroom, and here he found the body of 14-year-old Brooklyn. Each teenager was tucked in their beds. Each had been killed by a single gunshot blast to the head. The horror of finding these bodies unfolded over several minutes. As we said, this is a sprawling home. The only one missing from the bedrooms was dad, Brian Short. And he had been found laying on the ground in the sub-training garage. And like all the others, he was dead from a single gunshot blast to the head.
6: My name is Mike Satari. I'm the interim police chief for the South Lake Minnetonka Police Department, and I'm here to give some tragic news. Uh, today, our officers responded to a welfare check that came in at 12:21 this, this afternoon on a uh, family that hadn't been seen for a couple days, and a co-worker was concerned about it, asked us to check on that. Officers responded to the residence on Channel Drive in Greenwood, and unfortunately, found an entire family of five deceased. The uh There are children involved. There are three juveniles. Uh, One of the uh, catalysts for the call was they hadn't been in school for the last two days.
5: Speaking to the Star Tribune, Police Chief Sitari said he had never seen a scene so grim in his three decades of police work and that finding the bodies was very hard on the officers involved. Quote, there are no words to describe it. This is a tough one to handle. So news of this horrifying tragedy started to spread quickly throughout this very small community of 700. And the news soon reached our first degree, Isabel. So it's kind of confusing
4: because I actually lived in England for a little while. So I had moved to England in like July. So June was the trip. We went to Costa Rica. July, I moved to England. So I was in England at the time. And I found out pretty much at the same time everyone at school was finding out. Because one of my really close friends, and she was on the trip to FaceTime me. And she told me, she was like, Brooklyn was murdered and told me everything she knew and it was really shocking I I mean I immediately started crying like broke down it was just I couldn't believe that that happened to her it was very overwhelming and my older sister was in her brother's grade so she knew of him and it just felt very like there was a lot of questions of like why her because her family was very much like the typical minnetonka family so it was crazy because it was like this community where it's like this would never happen to anybody and all the families seem like pretty much the same and then it just happened to her it was so shocking
0: like our first degree Isabel, everyone who was close to anyone in the short family was at a loss it just didn't make sense not this family they were perfect Flowers outside the short home, a stark contrast to the horror that unfolded inside.
7: I can't even fathom what what happened, and I don't know if I ever want to know. Police called the investigation
0: gruesome and complex.
6: Four of the family members were found in their bedrooms. Father was found dead in the lower-level garage.
0: Bob Weigel still can't grasp what happened. That he'll never again see his best friend Brian, Brian's wife Karen, or their three kids.
6: I'm still hoping it didn't even happen. I'll be honest with you. I called him up last night on his phone and left him a message,
7: hoping he was going to return it. Whenever they
4: would, we'd see them out on the street. We'd wave, you know, and uh, Brian was always out there in the wintertime with his little 4 wheelers helping to clear the snow so he was a good neighbor you know they were a good good family and and uh from from time we ever saw the kids you know they'd wave and and smile and I
0: honestly i don't get it i mean i don't understand it whatever the reason is i hope that they're in a better place right now
4: in minnetonka especially it's kind of like the epitome of the American dream kind of neighborhood, you know, like all these like rich people and like these big houses by the lake. And you know, it's all beautiful and everyone goes to the same school. I think everyone felt just uncomfortable because like no one was expecting it to happen here. Everyone always says nothing's gonna happen, but then something like this happens, it's terrifying.
5: So civilians weren't the only ones who were rattled by this case.
6: The officers who've been inside, like I say, obviously very tough to deal with and something we will go through and uh, address as we can, but uh, there's no words to describe it. I've been a cop for 32 years, and uh, they say an event like this with an entire family, it's, I uh, say, a tragedy.
2: Just seemed to be a normal home. And so to process what we had to see in that Seemingly normal home is what made it so difficult. A school bag and clothes lined up for the first day of school. Those were the things that really seemed to have a lasting impression, I know, especially on me.
3: The community was reeling. Really. Brian and Karen were well-known around town, and their three kids were popular at school. Everyone knew who they were, and everyone was Devastated. At first, the police didn't release any information about the scene as far as the circumstances surrounding the murders. No one knew who was responsible. No one knew anything. Only that five people were dead. And understandably, the rumor mill started churning. Had someone broken into the short home and killed them all? Was this a random act of violence? This, of course, was everyone's biggest cause of concern. And off the bat in off-the-bat media interviews, the police highlighted the fact that the scene was complex. And this left people free to speculate.
0: Once the police chief caught wind that people were terrified that there was a killer on the loose, he addressed the media.
6: It's an apparent murder-suicide. There's not a threat to the community. Uh, I say the investigation is ongoing, and the reason why I'm giving this information at this very early stage is because the rumors have been started. I've got a, quite a few phone calls, so I would like to let the community know that it's an apparent murder-suicide tragic, but there is not a threat to the community. That's all the information I can release at this time, and as soon as we develop more, I will put out a press release with that information.
0: While this update brought comfort to those who may not have known the shorts, it had the opposite effect on those who did. Because the only prospect even more horrifying than the idea of a stranger breaking into the short house and killing all five of them is that someone from within the family could have done this
1: after a Twin Cities father, mother, and three teenage kids were all found dead in their home on Lake Minnetonka. Police think one of them was
3: responsible for the crime. Friends say police discovered Brian Short, his wife Karen, those teenagers, 17-year-old Cole, 15-year-old Madison, and 14-year-old Brooklyn, dead in apparent murder-suicide yesterday afternoon. Police tell us the five bodies were scattered all over that large home all had traumatic injuries. They are not saying who in the family may have been responsible. Who could have done this and why? We're gonna go through the police investigation after this break.
0: and use code FIRST for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code FIRST, A-L-O-M-O-V-E-S.com, code FIRST. Everybody loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. So it's going to take you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. I am really feeling this because... Lex and I both are really like into Gatsby stuff right now. So I am loving the vibe of this game and you're going to step into the role as June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. It's perfect for all of the firsties out there. There's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. And you can customize your very own luxuries estate State Island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and
5: All right, so back to the crime scene. The police sealed off the house, and they were going to piece together exactly what happened inside this lakefront mansion. And now that the public knew that someone from within the Short family
0: had been responsible for these five deaths, the speculation continued. In online communities like Reddit and web sleuths, people immediately turned towards 17-year-old Cole as the likely culprit. Of course, those who pointed to him were basing this assumption solely on the narrative we hear over and over again about teenage boys who commit horrible acts like school shootings.
5: The Hennepin County Sheriff's Department offered to assist the small police department in this investigation. And once they stepped inside the home, a picture of what happened started to slowly emerge. According to a September 10th warrant, the Hennepin County Crime Lab seized bullets, cartridge casings, firearms, and biological evidence, finances, and other documents related to possible motives. Their wallets, their checkbooks, there were two safes in the home and then a number of electronics, including phones, cameras, desktop computers, laptops, Kindles, iPads, iPods. You get it. The police also noted that they seized two firearms from the home. They said that one was in the crawlspace above the garage, and they were vague about where the second weapon was. So without these details as far as where the second weapon was, the police eventually announced to the press... That Brian had, in fact, been the one who killed his wife and his three teenage children. So this was a family who had all but achieved the quintessential American dream. From the outside looking in, things were perfect. So what the hell happened? I was
4: 13 at the time. It was, I mean, that's a slap in the face for any 13-year-old. Like, reality check. Like, the world is not like just Minnetonka, like things happen that you would never expect them to happen. It was, I've, I felt Minnetonka especially is a very like protected air. Like everyone is kind of like in this bubble. And after that happened, I think it kind of, a lot of people were like, wait, this stuff does happen to us. And it does happen in our community. It was, it was so scary. And I mean, even for me, like, I I love my dad so much. But even like a little while afterwards, I was like, who can you trust? Like, it was so scary.
3: As with any big event that rocks a town, people wanted to know why. Why did this happen? They wanted to go through everything. They wanted to interview everyone to get to the bottom of this. And although the police, by this point, had announced that it had been Brian who had done this, there were people online who disputed that. There was a blogger named Dan Hennon who wrote, This is heartbreaking and extremely sad, but also doesn't make the least bit of sense if it is to be believed it was a murder-suicide. The husband and father created a nurse's social network that was pretty big. And rejected a good number of buyout offers. They lived in a mansion. They just got back from vacation from Cancun and seem a rather happy family. With friends and co-workers stating that they were friendly, happy, and involved people. First thing that came to mind while reading the story was that it didn't feel like a murder-suicide. More like a hit. I feel like there is a lot more to the story than being told, or maybe just not known, end quote.
0: And statistically, the odds of a husband killing his wife and then his children and then himself are very low. But we all know that it does happen. And when it does happen, it's usually in families that already have an established history of domestic violence. And police were learning as they spoke to family and friends of the shorts that absolutely none of that was evident. Brian was a kind and generous guy. No one could even recall him yelling at Karen or the children
4: it just seemed weird because Brooklyn didn't seem to have like an aversion to him at all. There wasn't, it didn't seem like she was being abused. I was so shocked that I kind of didn't want to believe that it happened. So I avoided it. And which I think a lot of my friends coped that way because Brooklyn was so full of life and just happy all the time. I It made me so scared to see her in any way other than that. It was so brutal, the way he murdered all of them. Like, obviously, all murders are brutal. But just to think about my friend in that way was just really fucked up. Like, I kind of couldn't comprehend it. So only when I got older, I started, like, looking into what actually happened. You know, like, it didn't seem like there was any other abuse going on other than him snapping in murdering everybody.
5: And while friends and family could not recall Brian yelling, abusing or, or anything in terms of his children or his family, they had noticed changes in him in the months prior to this murder slash suicide, as the police were calling it. And they described him as a sleep deprived, agitated, irritable person. And he'd reportedly lost somewhere between 40 to 60 pounds in the previous three months. Now losing weight is not a red flag on its own. That's that's a severe amount of weight. From what I
4: heard, it seemed very much like a situation where he just snapped. And I personally don't know if I believe that that can just happen. I think it was probably like a combination of things. But from what his family have said, is no one expected it. Like, the, I don't know. like Because before that, Like Brooklyn interacting with her family and all her siblings and everything. There wasn't anything that would hint at the fact that her dad would go and murder all
5: of them. So this whole concept of, quote, they must have snapped. He must have snapped. And we've heard this word thrown around in relation to many notable cases, this concept of snapping. But here's the thing. Brian didn't just snap. Killing his family was something he planned. Because in the home, the police found a receipt that revealed that a Remington 12-gauge shotgun, this shotgun that Brian had used to kill his family, was actually bought at a Gander Mountain store in Eden Prairie on Sunday, September 6th, four days prior to the bodies of the Short family being found. So Brian also bought two boxes of ammunition on this day, on the 6th. So police believe that the murders took place on the 8th. So we can prove that Brian at the very least had planned to do this for at least two days but odds are that he'd been thinking about this much much longer because weeks prior to the murder suicide Brian ran into a neighbor and they were some, having some small talk and this neighbor asked how things were going and he said he was overwhelmed and he made the shape of a gun with his hand as we do you know jokingly he put it against his temple and he fake pulled the trigger And he said, you know, he was overwhelmed and it was kind of too much, but he was joking. So is this a weird coincidence or do we think Brian had planned this for even longer than we expect with the two days prior to when he bought the gun?
3: So as the police were looking for these answers, friends and loved ones of the Short family were processing what had happened and plans to lay them to rest were being made
4: when they started organizing her funeral and her whole family service, um, my science teacher who went on the trip, she actually called me and I Skyped my friends um, and we created like a poster to be held at her funeral because they weren't allowing any, like they weren't allowing any of like the students to come in, like any of her friends to come into the funeral. And I think it was just, because it was such a traumatizing event for her whole family, I think they were just kind of, um, trying to have it a little more like calm. And if there's just like 20 middle school kids, that's probably not like, you know, like the best thing to have. So, um, I was really involved in like making a little poster. She was also really into sports. She was on the soccer team. So her soccer team made a poster, all of our friends from the Costa Rica trip made a poster. And then I know they had those at the, um, Ceremony. Yeah. And I also know that her dad had a separate funeral than her mom and then her siblings and her. It definitely should have been that way. I'm not saying that he should have committed suicide, obviously. I mean, I've struggled with my own like mental health. It's one thing to commit suicide because that is your own option. But to like murder your entire family, like the idea of like, if I can't have it, no one can. Like, that's so sad. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, like, the waves of grief, like, the sadness and confusion. And for a while, I was just so angry because I was confused. Like, I was like, who did, like, who does he think he is to take away these people's lives? You know, your wife and kids? Like, you don't have the right to take away people's lives like that. It's just, it's so sad.
3: After the police analyzed the evidence at the scene, here's what they came up with in terms of how the events unfolded the night that Brian Short killed his family before turning the gun on himself. They believe that Brian grabbed the shotgun and first headed into the room of his son, Cole. He aimed the gun at the sleeping child and pulled the trigger. Then he methodically moved to the rooms of his other children, Madison, And Brooklyn. Startled by the noise, Karen grabbed her cell phone to call 911, but Brian tracked her down and shot her before the call could be made. Brian then went to the lower garage of the family's home and shot himself.
0: And while this theory seems straightforward enough, there are some characteristics of the crime that are hard to explain. So first, let's talk about Brian's use of a shotgun to carry out these crimes. Brian would have had to fire the weapon five different times, and these shotgun blasts would have bellowed throughout their neighborhood. And temperatures during the time of the year were pretty comfortable, especially during the night, and neighbors would have had their windows open. How did nobody hear anything? And also, the three children were found in their beds. Why didn't the first gunshot blast wake up the others? Because as they were found, it appeared as though none of them really woke up. And not only that, shotguns are low capacity when it comes to ammo. He would have had to reload. It isn't really a quick, seamless process.
5: Right. So the police theorized that wife Karen, after hearing these three gunshot blasts, had been running and trying to call 911. She would have been screaming had she been horrified at at the murder of her children and had she been chased until she was shot dead. But no one heard her screams either. And another thing is, is that we anticipated their school started on the 8th, right? That's two days before they were found. Labor Day is when they assumed this had happened. So Either everyone's home or everyone's out of town. But because it's a Monday, the assumption is people are returning home. So the odds are that people would have been there to hear this. So it's very confusing about why no one heard, A, the gunshot blasts, as Jack just said, and B, why if Karen was running for her life, no one heard her. Another thing that really stoked armchair sleuths is no doubt the police's theory on what happened as far as where the weapon was found. Now, there was nothing explicit ever said about where this weapon was found. And what was weird is that normally in a murder-suicide, you hear day one, who did it and why. And in the first couple of days of this particular investigation, they kept saying, we don't know who killed who. We know it's a murder-suicide, but we don't know who the shooter was. I've actually never heard that before, ever. Because normally it's the person who chose to take their own life, the weapon is near that person. But they were extremely vague about all that information in this case, which was super, super weird. So as we said, it's the strangest thing about this case, and it took days to come to this determination. But why wasn't it more cut and dry? If Brian had committed these murders, why wasn't the gun right next to him? Why wasn't that announced from the beginning? But here, there, there is another odd thing.
3: He had recently inquired about... Uh... Life insurance policies, death benefits, suicide clause, things like that.
5: the fact that that Brian called his insurance company and he wanted to know about death benefits, suicide clauses, things of that nature,
3: you know, for me, it's very strange because if he was planning on killing his entire family, why would he what be would it matter that? yeah, what would it matter who Who would be getting the money? Who would be the beneficiary to that? Um, so, Probably his wife. Yeah. yeah so so w- w- for me, I just keep on thinking, what was in his mindset? Was he originally thinking, I'm going to kill just myself? And then once he realized that maybe the beneficiaries would not get his life insurance, he said, I might as well kill everybody. And, I, and again, I'm just speculating here. I have no idea.
0: I just also think it's interesting that I mean, obviously, it seemed like the way that he killed his family is most of them were sleeping. Um, so it'd be one thing if he was planning to kill himself and if they had interfered with that situation and it seemed to be like a spur of the moment type of a thing.
3: You know, one of the things that we were talking about, Alexis, where you're saying, like, wouldn't anybody hear? It really reminded me of the Amityville shootings where... Ronald DeFeo went from bedroom to bedroom to bedroom, and then killed his parents, and then killed his siblings. Uh, for and that eventually was for life insurance, as we learned. But you know, can you hear a, a gunshot? He was using a rifle; he wasn't using a shotgun. I mean, but it was just a like
5: shotgun is crazy loud.
3: loud. Yeah, I know, crazy I know. loud. But
5: it, but here is the thing, and I mean, this is a this is like a spoiler alert, but not really because this information was never released. But when you look to the toxicology reports for sort of insight into what happened, that information was never released. Remember, though, Brian was a nurse. So the idea of, like, drugging is nothing if you have a background in, in medicine. Right. But that information was never released. And this – it was interesting. This, this case, much of the information wasn't released. So I understand the speculation here. Um, and there's a lot we don't know about this case, and there's just we we're, we're gonna have to just lean into that.
3: Okay, let's switch gears and talk about potential motives Brian could have had for carrying this horrific deed out. And one of the most prevalent theories in regards to this case is that Brian did this due to financial reasons, financial stress. He had discussed a desire to downsize with friends and neighbors, and he said that he wanted to move into a smaller house. Many who knew Brian described him as a generous person, extremely generous. And after achieving such financial success, maybe the idea of losing it was just too much for him.
4: What I heard was the reason that he killed them was because they were financially struggling. What I knew of the case is that he killed them because they were in massive debt and they just couldn't keep up. With the cost of everything, like the huge house. I think they had boats too. Like she went on this trip to Costa Rica. Like they were just like putting out way more than they could afford. And that's why he did it.
0: And another theory is that Brian succumbed to his mental illness. Family members said that Brian had increasing depression and anxiety over his struggling business, and he was more absent from family events and boating excursions. And this led much of the family to believe that Brian's anxiety and depression was to blame for what happened. The family had also said that Brian had tried multiple medications to treat his depression and anxiety, and some even thought that Brian may have done what he did because he had an adverse reaction to a new medication.
5: Another theory about why involves Brian's company. And allnurses.com was being sued in federal court for defamation. So maybe it was some combination of all these things. But Brian's office manager told police that earlier that summer, Brian had asked her if he could get up to speed on business on the finances, and she said that that's when he first learned what it cost to run his company and his lifestyle, including paying a quarterly tax of over two hundred thousand dollars. So, his colleague said that concerns over revenue. His colleague said that concerns over revenue cuts in the large defamation lawsuit, as was aforementioned, led to quote-unquote severe anxiety. I'm sure it does. I mean, the stakes get really high when there's serious money involved. And this was speculated to have devastated Brian.
3: Yeah, but there are some problems with all of these potential motives. Let's start with the financial theory. Brian and Karen Short purchased their home for $2 million four years before the murders. Public records proved that they had no bankruptcies, no state tax liens against them or his company. Now, to mention that weeks before the murders, Brian had taken his family to a lavish vacation in Mexico. They didn't seem to be hurting for money and legally the walls were not closing in. So at least on paper, they seem to be doing fine.
5: Side note real quick. So I think a big thing to mention here is is normally the public persona of wealth is something we see all the time, and people fake it all the time. But normally just beneath the surface, it's like that whole iceberg uh, graphic we're used to. In this case, you look at the iceberg, and underneath, they're not bankrupt. They don't have liens on their shit. They don't have any bankruptcies, any chapter 11s, anything. So financially, I mean, he may have saying, like, listen, we want to downsize. Yes, Cole's about to go to college. He's 17. Uh, Madison, any year, will go to college. She's 16. So maybe it made sense to them. Maybe it's like, oh, shit, we actually are spending too much. They were not out of, out of control in their spending. The, on paper, I mean, the IRS wasn't after them. They didn't have any bankruptcies. They didn't have any liens. They didn't have outstanding debt. It didn't really seem dire to me, at least yet. Right. And then also, in addition to that, there are also problems
0: with this mental illness theory as well. And like I said before, some people suggested that there was an adverse reaction to a new medication that he could have been taking. But in terms of what was uncovered during the search of the home, the Hennepin County search warrant didn't list a single medication for Brian Short. And this was despite family members claims that Brian had been taking anxiety meds for a while and the only household members who did have medications present at the home were Karen, and she had one,
5: and then one of the children had three. Right. So, and then there's this whole thing about allnurses.com. It's unclear whether or not it posed much of a legal or financial threat to this business. And generally speaking, companies of this size, a company that could garner, you know, he bought a $2 million home just a few years prior to this, This size company would have insurance that would cover such potential lawsuits. So where do we land with this? We don't know why Brian did what he did. Despite evidence of financial and mental health issues,
4: South Lake Minnetonka police could never establish a clear motive. Investigators closed the case around Christmas time.
2: We're never going to have a clear understanding of why. That is what probably makes us think about it every day. We'll never know exactly what happened in there. We just know the final outcome. They don't know the side of him that I saw, and I don't know the side of him that they saw. What happened in that house does not really define who he was. If you notice something in yourself or in a loved one that is different, you need to talk about it. People need to talk to somebody.
5: And while there's no way to be sure about why, the loss of life didn't end at the front door of the Shorts' mansion. And here's why.
4: In Brooklyn, her friend Anna, um, they were on the soccer team together. And Anna had some facial paralysis. And I know she was bullied a lot. She really struggled with mental health. I mean, this just shows how great of a person Brooklyn is. She was Anna's best friend. Like, she Brooklyn did not care what other people thought. Brooklyn didn't listen to the bullies she really made an effort to be friends with Anna and Anna really did see Brooklyn as her best friend and um Anna was really scared they were both going into high school they were both going into ninth grade and Anna was really scared to do it but Brooklyn was like I'm here with you you can do it I believe in you and she convinced her to stay on the soccer team so Brooklyn really like facilitated her and like supported her into like going into high school and you know just being a really supportive friend after the murders happened um anna actually committed suicide after brooklyn's murder like her best friend was murdered her mental health just like totally plummeted um she was on suicide watch she would she couldn't be left alone like at all so she constantly had supervision and her mom left for, I think it was like 15 minutes to let the dogs out because she, Anna had started getting better. So her mom went out for 15 minutes to um, let the dogs out. And when she came back, she found out that Anna had hanged herself in the downstairs closet and Brooklyn just really supported her like unconditionally. And then I think after her murder, like, I mean, Anna was probably destroyed. Like, How do you even react to that? Like, your best friend being hurt in that way? It just, I think everyone kind of felt Anna's pain in a way. Like, we all were feeling for her understanding how hard it would be because of everything that happened with Brooklyn. Like, everyone was hurting. And just to see Anna, like, going through this pain, it was so sad. Like... I mean, you probably want me to describe it in a better way, but it was just so heartbreaking.
5: This case is a true example of how acts of violence aren't limited to just the victim, the people who know the victim, and the families, or even the perpetrator in their families and the people who know them. This kind of senseless pain and suffering permeates and spreads and is amplified in immeasurable ways. Brooklyn's dad, Brian's
4: selfish act, destroyed so many lives. Not just his wife and kids, but he destroyed Anna's life. He destroyed her family's life just because he couldn't deal with, like, struggling with death. Like, he couldn't deal with it, and he decided to take all these people's lives. It's disgusting. Right now, graduating, because I'm leaving Minnetonka, I think... I mean, I think a lot of people are reflecting while graduating because, like, we're not graduating with everyone that we started with. You know, it's definitely a tough pill to swallow that we lost people along the way. It's really hard. She was so excited for college. Like, even in middle school, she was so excited. My teacher made us, like, this little book, and it had pictures in it of all of us from the trip. And she had little quotes from people like she asked us questions. And Brooklyn's um, quote was talking about how excited she was to go to college, like how she felt like um, Costa Rica was preparing her for her college experiences. It's so sad because she was so looking forward to it. Like She was so independent and she was always looking for the next adventure. And it was just it's so sad that that was robbed from her. Like he stole that from her.
3: Death by murder-suicide is so rare that there is no official nationwide database to monitor how often it happens or compare the characteristics of each case to one another. The data is limited, which makes it difficult to determine any sweeping similarities between the cases. This also means that these occurrences are extremely difficult, if not impossible, to anticipate.
5: And there's a very important and valid reason for why there is so little known about these family annihilator cases that involve murder-suicide. And that, of course, is because at the end, there's nobody left to ask.
3: If you were thinking about harming yourself, Please call or message the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.
0: A huge, huge thank you to Isabel for being our First Degree guest today. If you have a story you would like to tell us, please email us, hello at podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at thefirstdegree, at Alexis Linkletter, at Bailey Jensen, at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook page. Just search The First Degree, and we are talking true crime all the time and uh, stick around because we're gonna kill some time
3: and remember only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close
2: but I'm not that close.
0: close do we get it happy UFO day bitches
1: very happy what day is
0: it UFO day oh UFO day Billy
5: doesn't comes to life day. Billy doesn't believe in aliens what the fuck bye Sources for today's episode include court documents, police documents, CBS Local Minnesota, UglyTruth.com, the Minnesota DOJ, Heavy.com, Star Tribune, People, and as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. I took French in high school, and I was so excited that we were going to France for Jack's wedding so I could practice my French, and it was only when I got there I realized just how rusty I'd gotten. And I wanted to communicate in French with the locals there so badly. If you can relate to this experience, then Rosetta Stone is right for you. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You can choose from one of 25 languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Fast-track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a quick and natural way. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is so convenient, and it can be used on your desktop computer or as an app with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline.
0: All right. Well, welcome to Killing Time, or as we have nicknamed it five seconds ago, the KT. Yeah. KT. KT. KT.
5: K-T, K-T. If we have a mascot ever, she's just going to be named Katie, <laughs> and they'll they'll know what it Honestly,
0: means. Honestly, any of our listeners named Katie, let us know. You could be our. Will
5: anyone? Will anyone be able to crack that code? I'm not sure, but hopefully, we've got
0: to have a Katie. It's like the most common name of millennials out there,
5: in a good way got Katie's out there. It's a good yes, thing. Yes.
0: I mean, it's basic, which means it's just so great. That's how I always justify basic things like Uggs and Froyo. Because everybody loves them. They're perfect. Right. Billy?
3: I do not <laughs> love Uggs. I do love Froyo, as long as there are a ton of mixings in there. That's my thing with the Froyo.
5: Mixing, Yeah,
3: toppings. Toppings? But I mix them in. What's the point of having toppings? You got to put them in there. You got to go in and remember the Seinfeld episode. They go on the top. They put the hot fudge on the bottom. See, that is what you need to do.
0: See, I don't know. I agree with it in a hot fudge, but I don't agree with it. I don't think you're supposed to mix in your toppings to your froyo.
3: Mm. Well, you're doing it wrong.
5: I I agree with Jacqueline. It just it seems wrong. <laughs> wrong again, Billy <laughs> Jensen. Wrong again. Shocker. Um, we're I'm introducing
0: Jared back to the uh, uh, first degree crew. He is alive and here in person. Well, in person with yeah, me. Yeah, and
7: I want to say something because what? I feel. Like, can I side with Billy on this froyo?
0: Thing? Oh God!
5: What? No. <laughs> nope. Yep. That Thank conversation. I, I like
7: this. Best. This
0: is
3: good.
5: <laughs> we have decided <laughs> I, that the answer is I'm toppings here to on top. It
7: out. Nope. I'm here to balance it out. You should mix in all your toppings.
0: Oh, God damn it.
3: Jared, can you be on all the time? Because they just pick on me constantly.
0: Billy, I have a question about that. Are you like... Okay, so Jared, and this is the most Jared thing in the world, his favorite ice cream flavor is vanilla, and he (laughs) likes like a nice, like a shortbread cookie in a mix-in, and
5: like... (laughs) Yeah, you're just like... You seem like an angel food cake type of a mixer. Okay. But... Yeah, Billy likes normal shit. I mean, Billy's favorite food is like a uh uh lunchable <laughs> yeah. and, and like McNuggets. He likes the most literally and figuratively vanilla things there are. So I I bet his favorite ice cream flavor no, is vanilla. No, it
3: is rocky road.
5: I knew it. I was going to say rocky road. I was literally Rocky Road about to
3: from say that. from Baskin Robbins. That's 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 the gold standard but, for me.
0: Rocky Road is vanilla, isn't it? Just with like marshmallows?
3: No, it's, it's, no, it's chocolate.
5: It's chocolate with nuts and chocolate chips and marshmallow yes. and almonds. Yes. It's really good. That's not my vibe. Mm. I hate nuts. I'm learning the older I get. I hate just nuts. They get stuck yes. in your teeth. They make you hungrier. Yes. not and they have so many Even calories. In their, they're the most fattening thing you okay. can eat and they make you hungrier and chip your teeth. <laughs> All right. They're
3: good for, for, uh, they're low carb. Do you know, Obama used to eat, high, you know, what in high was calories. Obama's snack in the White House was eight almonds.
0: I end don't want to night. Obama for my, like, a figure defining food, but a, a or, handful of almonds has as much calories as, like, a cheeseburger, like a piece of bread. I'd <laughs> way rather have
5: bread. <laughs> but it, Give me a baguette. It's not carbs, yeah. it's yeah. protein.
3: No carbs, yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, but hell, like
5: calories, but a calorie is a calorie Calories, yeah, calorie. Go, calorie. I'd
7: rather go drink my calories. Yeah, but a carb yeah. is a carb too, so. And carbs right. are delicious.
5: Yes, but, but, fuck you.
3: I got yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you.
5: No, that's fine. A carb is a carb, but calories are what matter. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> it just depends on what the calories used for. Ener- carbs are energy. Sugar gets stored as fat. It just depends. But a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. You're supposed to have 2,000 a day or less. Or more if you want. Whatever. I'm not telling anyone how to eat. <laughs> Sorry. It's all fake.
0: It's it's like one of those like it's like money. Calories are fake. Even though I know calories are not fake. Calories are definitely a real thing, and that's how they measured food. But you know for me but they're fake. Tongue, if you eat a block of if you eat a block of cheese, you don't feel good the next no. day. So take that for well, what, you what it is. I feel incredible <laughs> while it's happening. I had a cheese board yesterday and I don't think I've ever felt more joy in my life in the past two months as i did eating that cheese board
3: and how about today
0: well today i'm joyous because jared's back and i Mm. really i i didn't realize how sad i am without him
3: (laughs) jared's hair got longer too i can tell on this call it's time for you got the you got the rock hair because jared was recording a new album is that correct
7: we just i i just finished my we still have to finish it but i'm done with all the guitar stuff so i'm I'm on vacation now. We're done.
3: Ex- Exile on First Street, I think on it was. On uh, Mesa Drive. On Mesa G- Exile and Mesa Drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the same vibe. Were you like the other lead guitarist from that other Exile album that you woke up at like 2 a.m.? is just like, let's go record. And then, like, that's happened. Or were you just like punctual?
7: Uh I was on time. I was probably there early every day. Jared's a very
0: <laughs> punctual person. Jared is the least rock star type of person <laughs> ever. He's like he's like always punctual. He's like very reliable.
7: I'm, i I yeah. show up early and I'm like, where is everybody? <laughs>
3: Yeah. By the way, for all the kids out there, watch, you know, a documentary on Exile on Main Street and you'll see what I'm talking about with Keith Richards where so good.
7: It was so they good were movie. in
3: they were in a house. Apparently, if you made a certain amount of money in England at the time, they took 98% of it for taxes. So those guys all moved to France and they recorded this album that was amazing, but Keith Richards basically I think he got up at like one AM every day and mm-hmm. then they said like let's record and then oh. he was there for a good eight hours and then he was back back on his would, thing. I'd and he's mad. still alive.
0: He started recording at one AM. Yeah, his he night- would do that. Yeah. Fucking yeah. nightmare. Yeah.
7: Their whole families were there. It was a crazy thing.
0: Wait, I crazy. need to I need to stop this for a second. Alexis, what are you doing over there? Wait, oh no, she's gone. Oh no, like- she
3: she lost. Did she unplug?
0: This is what happens when you fucking.
3: <laughs> oh my god, she's got all right. So Alexis, Alexis is recording in a in a new place, and she's <laughs> she's.
0: I wish I could video record this. Yeah, she's Billy trying to fix it. her
3: microphone. She's trying to fix her microphone. She has what looks like a paper towel and two rubber bands.
0: No, those and she's are tr- scrunchies.
3: Oh, those are scrunchies.
0: There are many scrunchies. On,
3: Isn't it scrunchie?
0: No, it's scrunchy, Billy.
3: I want everybody to look up. I thought it was scrunchie.
0: No, it's S C R U N C H I E, scrunchie. Alexis, we cannot hear you, but it is. <laughs> she can hear us. <laughs> no.
7: I got a good video of this. We're going to
0: post this on our first screen Instagram because this is, and it always is something with Alexis that she's trying to put. These microphones are a little bit finicky, but they're not that bad. And Alexis always tries to put them together with something different every week. And this week, it is many, many scrunchies.
3: We should talk about um, when Jack's book came out and how we went down mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. go visit Jack. We drove to Orange County, which was lovely, and we social distanced. We bought Jack some champagne and a. You know,
5: we went to Smart and Final down okay. the road. We bought two <laughs> bottles of. It's my life. Would we buy. Moet or Vuv, I don't know. But we bought two bottles and we bought hella balloons, hella balloons. and then we fucking sh- showed up like champions.
0: You did. And the Alexis has come to social distance, hang with me at my parents twice so far. And both times when she does it, I'm like getting something from the kitchen and she's not allowed to walk through my parents' house because we're very vigilant, nope. but she'll scare me on the, out- on the outside of the house as I'm trying to like pour myself a drink and it's now... As tradition, for you to freak
5: me out, yeah. But on your birthday, that was that the was best my
7: favorite thing I've ever. Because
5: it was honestly, I confronted Jared, and he, I've never seen him laugh so hard. Well,
7: you were texting me, and I wasn't looking at my phone, so she showed up. And you
5: no, your phone was on airplane mode, and when I got there, like, why didn't you text me? I'm like, Jared, yeah. I'd been texting you for your like an hour. On and your hours. phone was in airplane That's mode. My
7: bad, but you came around the <laughs> corner in a what were you wearing? A onesie. A onesie.
5: A pink dragon costume it was
7: really good it was really good thank you but
5: and I then I had a pink bundle of roses and pink balloons and a bottle of what is it did I have a, <laughs> a pink rose a vuv pink one a pink rose yeah. yeah yeah that was so fun so
0: on my birthday no on my book release day we well Alexis and I got smashed we smashed.
5: And when I got there, it's because Billy was driving and May comes outside, Jack's mom, and she goes, do you want a quadruple vodka soda? And I'm like, fuck yeah, May, because I had texted Jared and I was like, don't worry, Jared. I'm going to get wasted with Jack. We're going to celebrate. And I was like, yes. And then I had like a road soda in the car. It's not
2: a good idea. I just did it.
5: Between COVID depression and like – who knows why I did it? It was a bad idea, but here I am here. I sit, and then I got to Jack's and then May was just on a mission. I don't really know whose team she's on because it was like, she gave me a quadruple vodka soda. She gave me beers. Then she, before we left, she's like, Alexis, do you want a coffee and do you want to put, um, Kahlua in it? I'm like, yes. Was, I'm as wasted. somebody, as Sometimes somebody who quit drinking coffee, Alexis was like coffee I don't at even 11 PM. Coffee. Sounds amazing. No, I don't drink coffee, but it sounded like a really good idea at 11 p.m. to have coffee with a uh, Kahlua in it. And then Billy was driving home and I <laughs> kept asking him to pull over because I felt so sick. Well, I had to record
0: a podcast the next. Th- it was one of those things that happened that like we didn't plan to record a podcast the next morning. This is really the Yang, but it just it happened in the morning that we had to do one and I was so sick that I'm like, I don't know if I can pull it together for this. I don't know if I can bring myself to go sit at anywhere to plug my mic in and talk for 30 minutes. Like, I barely made it through. So I think that that means it was a success. Yes. Billy?
5: I concur.
3: Puke and Rally. Yeah, that's a success.
5: This whole puke and rally thing, like you, you, you say this a lot, and you, you've said this a lot, and I, I think you made it up.
3: I'm no, pretty sure. Didn't.
5: That's a saying.
3: It's a saying, and
5: I know. But he used to say that you, Jack, you're saying is because puke I, and rally. I'm like, I've never heard Jack. Say I said this. it
0: once on Lady Gang TV, and Billy is like yes. really held on to it. There you go. Yeah, but Listen, I, 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 I stand I by thing
3: I hear on TV. So.
0: I don't puke and rally at night, but I I get very sick the next day. And the only way to um, make it through the day is to drink. So I guess that is considered a rally.
5: Well, I would have – I was more hungover that following day than I had been in my entire life. I texted you, Jacqueline, and I said I had just ordered Taco Bell and – No, I had ordered El Pollo Loco and McDonald's. (laughs) Oh, my God. Neither made me feel better. Um, It was a disaster all around. (laughs) But uh, I did tell Jared I would get drunk with you, and that's exactly what I did. So I'm a woman of I my word. You're that. a good friend, Lex and Billy. I, I love, love you both.
0: I love
6: you, you make my
5: life worth living.
0: You just make my life.
5: Oh, period. Okay, well, I think we killed enough time. Yeah, we right? killed some time. We killed eight <laughs> for You guys know mask, yeah. not, not my thing. Uh, fourteen minutes or so sure. of time.